Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. He deserted me, Brian. <laughs> my level three he, electronics. He just I, walked off the boat. And electronics is so important on the, in this game. It's so disgusting and like, important. He was like master of gadgets. Oh, crap. <laughs> also joining us is your co-host, Spaz. Brought to you by Spice. <laughs> Spice must flow. Uh, Hunter is going to running a little late. Hopefully he'll be able to join us later. Apparently he's stuck in traffic. I didn't know they had traffic in North Carolina. I didn't know there were enough people to have traffic. Oh, so- my God. You should, <laughs> should try to get into my office at 7 in the morning. You got to go in earlier. That's the key. Just well, go it's, the it's earlier three you're lanes of road and five lanes of people. Well, <laughs> they're not really good at it. This is why I get in at like 6.30 in the morning to avoid all that crap. Um, so we have some guests this week. First off, joining us from my hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Corey Tracy, the developer and founder of the Tracy Brothers. Welcome. Hey, everybody. This is Corey. I'm actually in Bloomington. Oh, I Andrew got you guys mixed up. Too. I got you guys mixed up. That's my fault. Andrew is in Philadelphia. I wrote it wrong. I apologize. Andrew, who is the artist, story, and co-founder, uh, storyteller, and co-founder of the Tracy Brothers, is also is in Philadelphia. Corey is in Indiana. So, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm half, I'm very tired, and I misread. I miswrote the notes. That's my bad. But He's gentlemen, been mixing us up for a long time. Oh, I know. I I. My my mother in law still calls me by my other brother and my 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 sister my sister in law's husband name all the time, and we look nothing alike. <laughs> He's got a big beard. I don't. I don't get it. So I get that. Like my grandmother used to call me Bruce, which is my uncle, all the time, all the time. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're here to talk about the latest. Uh, in your Star Trader series, Star Trader Frontiers, which, if I looked correctly, is the third game in the series. Is that correct? I would, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah think so. there's two other games that are called Star Traders, and then there's a couple of other games that are set in the same universe but aren't actually about the Star Trader oh, the captain. Oh, what are the other games set in the same universe? I was going to ask about that. So uh, the, Templar, uh, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, sorry. The other two games are Templar Assault and Templar Battle Force. Templar Battle Force is available on Steam, and they let you really take a different perspective. You play as the captain of a uh, an elite strike squad of mech pilots. So yeah, you're playing a very different group of people in the universe, and you get a, a different perspective. On yeah, Steam, it's a, basically. Yeah. And that game is also fantastic. I, I gotta say, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm a big fan of just about all your games. I think I played just about everyone. Um, yeah, same. I, I played on my first Android phone. I don't know how many hours I lost to the first Star Traders game. <laughs> so it yeah. has a certain magic, a button mashing ability to eat commutes in airline. It really, I think that's one of the things <laughs> I enjoy still about Star Traders RPG is playing it on an airplane in offline mode. Oh, it's a great mobile game. It's a great. And now, is is Frontiers also on mobile? I didn't look. Is that going to be on mobile as well? 
It is, but right now we're focused on the PC features and getting it really right on Steam, and then we will port it to mobile. It'll be nice. full-featured, but it's just going to take some time to get the touch interface and all the little buttons to work right. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. But you also have some other, like you have a Pirates RPG and uh, Cyber Knights, which I actually do own as well, but I haven't played that one yet. So you have a... Um, a very a fairly varied cadre of games here. Yeah, so not all your stuff is on Steam, right? That's what I'm gathering here. Right. We have I mean, it's been a process. Andrew and I are working as a team and we started by making a mobile game. Mm-hmm. Um we've been making games as a pair for a long time back to like pen and paper and Q Basic. Oh wow. Clone when we were like 12 and stuff. So Really? Yeah, I That's, think Andrew, right? Our first game was like Go North. You see an orc? Yeah, and it was uh it had very little ability to go outside of scripts, so you could like play three rooms and a door and a goblin that you fought and it was yeah. Basic. It was pretty amazing what you could do with go to statements. You could probably since sell then, that on Steam in this climate though. You know, if we put some Pixel art on it. We might yeah. be able to. You probably put a dollar ninety nine. Oh yeah, people would buy that. People would totally buy that. <laughs> it's, it's our evil plan. Is we we're gonna put hundred one mo- moderately successful, decent early access title, and then just start cranking out Cubasics orc clones. Was 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 <laughs> the first uh, was the first Star Trader game? Was that your first like commercial game? As a as a as a as a pair. Yeah, it was. That was probably the first game that we actually had other people play. Oh. Well, we had, we had for years and years have written and playtested pen and paper RPGs, but that was the first uh, digital game. And it really started more as a lark. Or we both, like Corey got his first Android phone, and we lived halfway or all the way across the country from each other. And Corey started kind of coding and sent me a package and said, hey, check this out. Let's make this funny space game and we just got kind of started that way so it was it was not we had no idea this is the journey we were going to go on but here we are and what uh, kind of pen and paper stuff were you inspired by i mean like were you were you star frontiers fans um we played i don't even know if andrew remembers this he may have been too young but the space game that we played was traveler which is like first edition and we got a D&D boxed set and I had we didn't have a lot of RPGs we got like the D&D starter set and I got a used traveler source book and I don't think it was like the core traveler source book I think it was like some corner of the galaxy source book but it was enough Andrew and I played the space game uh a lot with the D&D rules cuz we didn't have the rules so we played with the fantasy rules. Oh wow! You adapted the uh, rules so, from D and D into uh, Traveler. So, yeah, day I one project very, was a total conversion of D twenty to space. What what game is it? No, I'm, I'm saying your your D and D. It's like in one hand you've got Dungeons and Dragons, and in the other hand you've got the Traveler source book. So it's like on day one you're you're converting D twenty to a space game. Yep. And we, we were just kids. We, I mean, it was, I think it was just, uh, we made do with what we had and we were always really inspired by the catalogs. I remember Andrew and I spent a lot of time looking at, do you remember this, Andrew? Like looking through catalogs oh, yeah. of 
source yeah. books and being like, here's the paragraph we have in the cover and we'll figure out, you know, yeah. <laughs> probably what, what kind of, what kind of stuff would be in that source book and try and make stuff up. So I think we, we were making to- <laughs> up games from, from very early age. That's impressive. we in fact uh, try to play Warhammer Fantasy Armies. We never really got any of the too much of the figurines and stuff, but we try to play all of that without having any books, just the the magazines where you could see what the figures were, and we kind of made stuff up to go in between, so you could play without any of it. We'd cut the cut the book up, cut the catalog up, and like paste the little pictures of the dudes onto cardboard. Oh move those around on the ground i mean we were we loved making up games i think as early as we understood that like you know there's rules we were trying to make up our own variations we used to try and make our try and make our starter had existed back then then you guys would be tsr today possible I, I guess we would have we would have asked for money. I, I have to say the one of the ways your passion for gaming really comes across, besides your prolificness and prolificness is that a word? Um, how prolific you are in making games is how prolific you are in updating the games you've made. Like for example, Star Trek Frontiers just had its 18th patch. I think yep. confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. and it's been out for a month and a half. It's like oh my god do you guys sleep like how does that work (laughs) we sleep in shifts andrew sleeps on the way once he goes to sleep i get up so we can keep the patches rolling (laughs) it's faster it's faster at first right like early on there's a lot of people playing and people are telling us what's wrong with the game Star Traders, the original ones, had 360 updates in six years. Oh, my so, God. Like, it, it averages out, right? You're not going to get an update every two days for the entire life cycle. Sure, but a bunch that's more. still – like, when was the last update for Star Traders RPG, for example? When was that one last updated? No, November, maybe. Dear Lord, that game is six years old, right? Yep. Yep. Just that's, had its sixth, sixth birthday about mm. a month ago. That's astounding. I, I really got to give you guys props for that because you usually don't see in, in – and, and game developers always have the best of intentions, but you don't always see that kind of post-release support, especially in the indie uh, in the indie sphere. So that's super Yeah, impressive. I mean I have to be honest. There's It has a lot to do with how many people are playing. We have other games that are almost as old that haven't seen updates in a long time because there's – there's just not people, other people besides us that are engaging with them. Mm. Star Trader still has people who are playing it. There's still people that say, like, I like this game. And there's people downloading and installing it. So we keep updating it. I'm still playing it. They're still playing it. Yeah. Something like Age of Pirates, it's getting a download a week or something on Google Play. And we're not updating. Because there's only 10 people playing it. So the original or Star Traders is mobile only? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And it's great. And it's one of the first games I got on my phone. Yeah. 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 I think it was How like. Is it? If you wanted to port a mobile game over to PC. If you just wanted to make like Star Traders run on the PC, it wouldn't be too hard. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff that's on mobile that I, I look at and I'm just like, damn, if that was on PC, they wouldn't even have to like up the graphics or anything. Just just put it on the damn PC and I would buy it, but I don't want to play that on my phone. 
right? It's like there there was one I was looking at yesterday that uh, it's it's like a some kind of dinosaur thing. It's like arc, but in uh, like isometric perspective. And I'm just like, man, if that was a desktop app, I would I would throw them money right now. So I'm I'm just curious, like why some of this mobile only stuff never actually makes it into the wider market. Well, I think sometimes developers are intimidated by Steam. I think Steam and and also Steam Direct and access to Steam is a new thing. So I think the makers of this dinosaur app, you should reach out to them. They may really be surprised to hear that you would that you would pay for that on PC. They may just not have thought of it. So, so how did you guys have? So, what brought you guys to Steam after being on mobile for so long? Because if I all Andrew, oh, because it it was the Star Traders 4X. That was your first game on Steam, if I'm recalling. Is that correct? Is it was actually Heroes of Steel, which was our very first game, and uh, we had done our first Kickstarter for Heroes of Steel, and we raised twenty thousand dollars to make that game, and. And as part of the Kickstarter, we pledged to get. I mean, this was wait, back wait. earlier. Early I don't days. think we raised twenty thousand dollars. We did, in fact, raise twenty thousand dollars. Um, trust me on that. Uh, to make and, a video game, that seems yeah, like a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money, right? <laughs> what the hell are they going to do with like, all that money? I keep waiting on the like, hey, you owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, as part of that promise, we. Like as part of the Kickstarter, we committed to getting on app the uh, Apple Apple phones. I don't know. We were way it was very very early in our day, and so we were we got a new game engine and we were making progress. And we found out that we could make this game engine. I think it was really part of our development environment. We just started running the game on PC all the time because that's where we were building the game, and we realized that it was actually quite playable. And uh, much like maybe the dinosaur guys would eventually realize like, hey, you could like people would maybe pay for this. And we added some PC features and brought it over through Greenlight. And I think at the time, to be completely honest, we had no expectation that we would ever Greenlight. Um, And we just put it up there to see if it could stick to the wall. And we were lucky and blessed to have a really powerful community behind us. And they, they helped us Greenlight the game pretty quickly um, so that kind of changed our, changed our purview, what we were looking at and was our first game on Steam. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even realize that was you guys. Cause I remember playing that on my iPad way back in the when, like 2014 something. Yep. We're everywhere. And you were thinking, wow, this is like someone like those TSR gold box games. And was like, yo, I need this on my iPad. Because I think that's a lot of what I felt about Heroes of Steel. Was if you it was like Dark Sun, what was it, Pool of Radiance? That was the one Andrew and I really ended out on. It's Pool of Radiance. I I realize yeah. I, I own this game and I still haven't played it. I'm going to have to fix that. <laughs> you need to fix it. I do. You need so, to fix that. Yeah. Getting sucked into that game, it's like seriously dangerous, though, because it is really big. Good. That, that is a and I were talking about that today. It's like it's very long. There is a lot good. of editing and story and no good. One because, of the cool things yeah. about that is that you can't you can't grind any maps. That's one of the things I really like about that game is that 
once you clear a map, it's cleared. There's no there's no point in the game where it's like, all right, now I need to go fight 600 guys to get my next widget. There's a fixed number of monsters for resources. Yeah, which oh. actually makes it kind of easy to balance because you know how much XP that person's party can potentially have. So, so it's not it's not got JRPG syndrome where it's like, oh, I got to grind f- for like ten levels before I can walk in that next room where the boss is because yep. you know what they're going to be if they get there. Yep. And you can skip it. You can like like and what you saying? Oh, yeah, agreed. I mean, there's a lot of optional content, so there's a lot of... You can end up at places in the game at very different levels, but it does mean that every time you go anywhere, you're doing it for a story or a quest or something that you are following. There's no repetitive, like, do this again, do this again crap. So it also leads the game to being astronomically huge. It was a very ambitious goal, and... uh yeah, we heard our budget right. We had twenty thousand dollars <laughs> to make. Games, yeah, but, it, <laughs> but if you divide twenty thousand dollars by the hundred and fifty megs that the game takes up, it's actually not so bad. You know, dollar That's to true. megabyte. That uh, might get twenty thousand dollars. Might get you one leg on a Star Citizen model. Maybe two. <laughs> a, a pair of legs. Maybe a part of the torso. Maybe. Oh, oh, oh slow down. Slow like down. Deal for my ship. <laughs> you, you might get a tail light. One landing gear strut, $20,000. Very um, high polygon, though. And really nice looking. Yeah, I mean, gorgeous. Just gorgeous. And that's, that's where Andrew and I started. We are a two-person team, so if you look at our catalog, like you were saying, you look at sides... And then look at Age of Pirates, and then look at Star Traders. Frontiers, you might say this can't. This clearly can't be made by the same team. This Pirates game is well. What's wrong with it? And then you look at Star Traders, and you're like, you know, there's icons and color and buttons that do things and hovers and all sorts of fancy technology. Well, but there's come a color, long way. There's more color in space. Hey, so you just took the pirates and put them in space, and then it's colorful. I don't know about you guys, but is Corey um, stuttering a bit for y'all, or is it just me? No. I mean, he d- he does have an obvious speech impediment. No, I like, mean, is his audio stuttering a bit? Oh, no. Like, okay. I hear a tiny bit. Okay, hang on. I'm going to switch servers. One second. All right. Sorry, yeah, folks. I heard that um, if if you're stuttering, it can actually – you can sing. So if you sing the rest of the interview, then <laughs> probably the stuttering will go away. Sorry about that, folks. That's one of the downsides of doing this live is sometimes we have some technical issues. It's always on Tuesdays. Always on Tuesdays. Um, the internet breaks every Tuesday night. Every every Tuesday night, it's the internet like breaks. Clockwork, man. You can kind of blame Valve for that one because that's when they work on the Steam backend. Oh, now you all sound like robots. Hang on a second. I am in electronics tech. All right, switch it again to the south. Let's hope that does it. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> Just please bear with us. I think, uh, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Oh, that sounds... That sounds way better. Yeah, That's, that sounds Much way better. better. Okay, shoo. Yeah. This so, is what this um, is what happens. Every, Sorry. 
back whenever you guys started this, uh, there was no Unity, right? So you actually had to cook your own engine to write this in. Yep. So did you ever like switch over to Unity, or are you still running in a homebrew engine? We're still in our weird homebrew, but we talk about Unity with stars in our eyes regularly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someday you'll you'll make that like the rite of passage into the big engine. But and I, we no, use... I, I like what you guys are doing because, honest to God, I can't tell. I'm I'm playing yeah. Star Traders, you know, the new one, and and it's just like this game's great. Well, we think, did we did have someone post on our Steam forum their tips for getting the best Unity performance out of our game. Oh no! <laughs> and oh. Andrew had to tell him, like, sorry, but like none of those command switches you're feeding into the game would do anything at all. So, is there is there a command line switch uh, you can put that'll just convert the game over to Unity? Because that guy could save you a lot of time. That would be awesome. I mean, I'm sure we could wrap it in a Unity executable and just like run our game inside of Unity. We, I think, I think Andrew and I are excited about looking at Unity because there's a lot of cool things you can do. We, we make, you know, we make decisions with each game about the platform we use, and we're really trying to focus on the outcome. I think it's yeah. easy to say we'd make better games if we had Unity, or we'd make better space games if we had Unreal Engine under the hood. But there's a certain amount of, you know, reality in. Unity only looks as good as the assets you put in it. If you put all the same Star Traders Frontiers assets into Unity, it'll look pretty similar. Yeah, that's fair. So, so is this? Um, are you OpenGL based with this, or are you using DirectDraw? Because uh-huh. I figure coming a, from an iOS GL. background, you'd be open, you know, an OpenGL guy. Yeah, it's OpenGL. All the OpenGLs. Ruby. Do you guys have like a local Cocoa Heads meeting that you go to? Um, I was going to one when I lived in California, and then we went to one in Boston, and I have not found one I've when we moved to Indiana. What's okay. what's well, Cocoa Heads? You, get, it's a iOS developer thing. Oh, or just Mac developers. Anybody that's in the cult, if you got the tattoo, you can get in the door. Nice. Show receipt from the Apple Store. Yeah. Like you've bled for the cause. Yeah, a friend of mine actually has an apple tattoo on his, oh, on his forearm. He greatly regrets. So, is this the only game that you've made that's had sequels? Because I'm looking at your catalog. It looks it looks like it is, but I'm not 100. percent So far, there aren't any other sequels. I can't say that we're gonna make CK2, but we might make it. And Andrew wants to make a sequel to Heroes. I. Yeah, as you guys mentioned, we have a pretty wide range of, of genres and worlds now. I think four individual worlds. So we're more and more thinking about, and there's a big pile of games in the Star Trek universe. And as we kind of think about next games, it seems silly to go off and make a bunch of new worlds when we have some really popular ones that we have players in. So we, mm. we are definitely looking at a Cyber Knights 2 or a sequel we're not really into the number game, so I don't, it'll definitely not be called Cyber Knights 2, but um, another game, another cyberpunk game is is very likely um, our next game. Corey and I have to like, fight to the death to, to decide, but we're going to find out pretty soon what now, the next game is. Or more Templar Battle Force. What, no, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, what you should do is, 
is go, what you should do is go the rules of engagement slash breach model and have the next game in, in the series interlink. So whenever you board a ship, it's Templar. It's it's in the Templar Battle Force game. Yeah. Well, what we need is basically not Gundam that plays like BattleTech and uh, is like. Have you guys ever seen MegaMech, which is the open source BattleTech mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can we can we have Templar MegaMech? That would be great. <laughs> You can get a dollar out of me pretty quick for that. Yeah, it's going to cost us more like twenty thousand dollars. That's how much games. Twenty twenty two thousand dollars, maybe twenty three. My of game budgets. You may have to check with Andrew, but anything above twenty thousand dollars, I sort of lose track of it. <laughs> it's kind of like watership down. You can only count to twenty thousand. Anything above twenty thousand is a million. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're like that's too expensive. It's either twenty thousand dollars to make a video game. You might need a Kickstarter know. and an Indiegogo campaign. Oh, Have you ever read or seen Watership Down? Because it's about little bunny rabbits. Oh yeah, and, love uh, it. and they, yeah, they can't count above five. It's like one, two, three, four, five, a million. I'm pretty sure if Andrew had his way, we would definitely eventually make a video game that included rabbits carrying maces and wearing helmets. <laughs> I would play. Oh man, I've been wa- I've been working on the rodents in the video games for a long time, but Corey's very resistant. He's tough <laughs> cooking. I'm thinking Tooth and Tail beat you to it on that one. Yeah, it's a little late now. See that Corey? It, was no, it's it's shot. never too late. I mean, what are the, what are the, what are they in Warhammer? The Skaven. Right? Is that even indeed? Yeah. It was. I think our love started with like Redwall. Andrew, what was that comic book you were reading? Like mouse, mouse hats or mouse warriors or something? Oh, wasn't it just? Wasn't it just mouse? Wasn't it just M A U S? Wasn't it just mouse? No, there's. I know what he's talking about. Oh, because there was one that was like 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 D and D with mice. Oh no. I think I'm think I'm thinking there was like a World War II comic where the mice were the French resistance. And it was called yeah, MAUS. That, that's mouse. Yeah, okay. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. No, this, this thing is... It was so good. good. As, soon as, as soon as you said it, it's like I, I had completely lost that from any memory. And then as soon as you said, like, oh, yeah, the thing with the mice, I it, I got the, that mental image of it was like a couple of mice, like, on the log with their swords and shields out. And, like, I, I don't know if I saw an ad for this thing somewhere or it's, maybe it's, I, like, uh, read the book it's or something. It's Mouse Guard. Mouse, mouse guard. That's found on the internet. Oh my! Mouse guard, yeah, not mouse hat. Mouse guard. Is that I pen and paper or what good. is that? That's like a, a pen and paper book. game, right? Isn't it? Is it a book or a? I don't even know. I just know it's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah actually, that's what I think it's a game. I think guard. it's a board game. So someone in our um, chat, someone, our, I'm sorry, someone in our chat, uh, Discord chat, was saying something about. One issue they had with Heroes of Steel is like there's no option better than an autosave, and and they they worry about playing for so long, um, without being able to save on their own. Is that a is is that a uh, concern you've gotten from other players? So you can't back up right because it always saves at the latest. I'm I'm guessing that's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. That that is true. Um, people can do it, like. Go ahead. You call it a feature? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the you can, we have some people that will post save scumming suggestions in places, but all of our games actually feature that, include that same auto saving concept that all the entire catalog through and through. 
saves for you automatically as you play so that you can um, feel the consequences of your choices and uh, die a legend. I feel the Iron Man burn. Every, and every, all, every like, difficulty level is Iron Man. You know, it, it Heroes of Steel is very forgiving. Like you, if you play on the lower difficulties, it saves all the time, but there's it's it's almost impossible for you to lose anything. Um, because if you die, you're just gonna go back to the inn. Um so we just do we it's just not something that our games feature as a manual saving. So I don't know. so this latest game is like the everything I've wanted in a game game. Right? Oh, really? it's, it's, yeah. Because okay, uh that one game that's on Steam, Viceroy, where it's like you sit and you kind of make political decisions. Right, mm-hmm. and it's it's mm-hmm. like a political conversation tree of a game, and you guys have that going on in here because you talk to people, and it's like I went to the you know that, that is it the same starter quest every time you start a new game, like you go to the planet, and that's the guy's daughter that blew up the space station, and and the yes, okay. yes, that starter quest is always offered. You can ignore it, and you can go a bunch of different ways with it, but mm-hmm. it is always available at the beginning of the game. Okay, so but it's a procedurally generated map, right? It like is. beyond that first two system thing. Even the two systems are actually procedurally generated. So it's a it's a thing we've worked a lot on is finding that the place where you can weave proc gen and handwritten content together. So even the system that the arbiter starts on and the prince start on are are generated procedurally and then picked from what was created procedurally as his home world as an example yeah because i've i've been i don't know if you guys have ever listened to the show before but it's like my 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 greatest hobby is to bitch about elite dangerous Mm -hmm. kind of on a weekly basis Uh that elite dangerous is not this game basically um and and i don't even need like the deep npc interaction i don't need the narrative in there but just the the stuff about like, okay, there there's different pricing and it seems like the pricing is actually a dynamic market that's going on, you know, and it's just, I don't know. It it just makes sense. Right. As far as if I just want to play this game as a trader, if I want to play it as a pirate, I can get a ship, ignore the damn quest, go sandbox it and do whatever the hell I want to do. That's true. But we, we are going to include some like, Andrew was saying the join between the narrative and the mm. sandbox. We're going to have some things that happen like eras, like dark ages and economic surges and plagues and things. So as you play through the game, you may be ignoring the story, but there will be news and things in the galaxy that are happening. Maybe you can decide to take advantage of or run away from or get involved in. So oh, it'll be nice. There'll be stuff that happens over time. And then the contacts you are all individual uh, AI scripts that are out each other and mm-hmm. gain dominance over their planet and faction. So, that's one of the things that changes game to game is that prince you meet at the beginning has different friends and the other princess is and he has different friends of different power levels and their their interaction will all go under this AI competition script. So after you get involved, different things happen and it can end up going very different directions for the galaxy you're playing in. That's great. That's wonderful. Because, yeah, one of our complaints about um, Elite Dangerous is nothing you do matters. Nothing at all. 
You make money, you buy a new ship, whoop de doo. You know, I mean, nothing. You yeah, do. there's there's no yeah. there's no impact. It's it's kind of yeah. It's it's the worst part of MMO itis where it's like I killed the dragon, I'm the hero, and I look over my shoulder and the dragon's back, and the next guy's killing it. Oh well, I guess I didn't really change anything. And and it's it's just that kind of deal with that thing. But with this game, it's kind of like, well, do I want to go support this guy? Which is that's the thing that we like a lot about Drox Operative, right? Is it's also a procedure. Yes. Yes. Thing. And there and, are factions and, to support and and all that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I, so I'm, I'm just digging that, like everything about that is great. And the universe kind of feels a little bit Dooney. Because you know, there's like the great houses and the arbiters kind of Benny Jesuitish kind of feel to it, and yeah, we love Dune, like I love it. Yeah, I, I kind of suspected there was an influence from, from that, but, <laughs> but yes, there's like a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah, but I, but I mean, it's not like a straight lift of that. It's it's just the you know there's noble houses that are running the planets, but the planets are all very different. Right. And then whenever you go somewhere and you talk to somebody, then you have the option of like in the conversation tree, then you can get referrals to other NPCs that you can go talk to. And depending on, I I assume, depending on the tone of conversation I have with that person is how much they're going to like me or not. And I might go down a different path with them. And, you know, if I, if I do their missions for them, then they'll probably, you know, I do for you, you're going to do for me. Yeah, yeah, we've tried to be uh, as as cool about that as we can in the game. So there's things you can say, even in casual conversation, there are places where you can accidentally, well, you might know you're doing it, but insult uh, characters or kind of butter them up and they'll their personal reputation with you will change. And yeah. there's a lot of places where you can simply tell someone something and they will cut you off. If you say, I'm going to tell this other this other actor about what you're doing and they say, well, then that's it. I can't have you involved anymore. So you'll get cut out of their story. So we try wow. to really have as much of that really flowing impact as we can. Yeah. It was um, like with the arbiter, right? I had, you know, we're getting along nice. And then I asked her a question and she shut me down. She's just like, yeah, we're not going to have a conversation about that. Okay. New, new subject. Yeah. I, I gotta say, uh, it reminds me of Eve a little bit, the contact system, but I love that. I love that there are different people you can meet that have missions for you. Cause I'm all about missions and I love one thing I kind of love about this game is that it doesn't care what level you are. Oh, here's a mission. We got to go kill a guy for 200,000 credits. You just started. Oh, I'll go do that <laughs> and I'll die, but I can do it. <laughs> I can choose it. <laughs> And we are working on improving the kind of the warning and the like the context in game reaction when you're like, I'm going to kill him. And you're like, well, you sure? Because <laughs> we do want we do want that to be an option because some sometimes you luck it out and that'll be a game that you're going to remember because you're like. I to get like two lucky hits on that bounty hunter and we somehow won. And I kind of love how you have an officer pool that you can talk to. You know about yeah, about your choice. That's really neat too. Yeah, the, the advisor stuff from the crew, because because it's I assume that consult button becomes more than just like a tutorial thing, right? So it's it's kind of like, hey, there's a situation. What should I do? Let me pull the crew, and then you get the opinion of your officers. Like maybe you should do this, or maybe that, or maybe get a preview of what your choices would result in. 
We're definitely working on improving that. And I think that's the, the direction we want it to go. It's probably not anywhere near where it will end up in terms of its ability to really draw Ooh. you into the the character of your officers. Because one of the cool things I think about this game is that the the characters have more than just their stats. They have a moral, they have they have these personality traits that can make, you know, one daughter versus another very different characters, even though they have the same training. And they have quips. I love that they have quips. Like you'll go into orbit of a planet and somebody like, Are we gonna land, sir? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's not all just your flag officers either. It's just random dudes in the crew. Which would be it would be interesting. Maybe it happens. Um but the uh the general morale in the crew, right? Like if somebody is low morale, maybe they bitch about stuff or you know, and if they're high, if they're high morale then they're like telling jokes and whatever. That'd be so funny. maybe you can kind of get the tone of the crew through things that get said. Um but I've noticed, like, in the travel stuff, there's a lot of dice rolling that's going on, right? Like, I'm just flying from one planet to another, and it's like, uh, you know, I discovered that the doctor that I've got has a has a tough trait, and I learned that apparently because of my captain's charisma. And then uh, somebody else got a trait concentration, and morale rose after I paid these guys. So there's a really nice log here that's telling me what's going on. I do love that. But when you're on a long flight, it's like that stuff just rolls by and and it's kind of like uh oh crap, I flew into an asteroid. Uh you know, I blew a roll there. So and so it seems like is it is it like every day of travel you make like one encounter roll or something to see like a good bad thing happens or how, yep. what's the And frequency? some it's it's every shift you get test. And sometimes there's no nothing happens. It's just empty space. Sometimes there's a chance that you run into a ship and it rolls. And then sometimes there's a like a, a tactics test or a pilot test. So and based on the difficulty, you'll have more or less ships that have a test. So on basic difficulty, you could sail for a longer distance and nothing's going to be. And then on higher difficulty, you're constantly going to be tested. And I do. Uh, so I, is it? Sorry. Good. Is it going to be like Mass Effect where I can start romancing the crew and just be a space whore? And probably not. Don't do that, please. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, so yet. So oh, boy. The steamy sex cutscenes with the blue uh, girls. Please don't. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I like how – I was going to say I like how those, those die rolls that happen every shift can affect like how much you pay for repairs when you get to – you know, a starport or how much you pay for fuel because your got your pilot was terrible and wasted a bunch of fuel. You know, I just I just like how all this feeds into each other. Yeah, it puts a good uh, yeah, it puts a good maintenance sort of the maintenance direct backdrop to the game. We I always think of Firefly and how they have that the line yes. like you just have to keep flying. Yes, so the ship is constantly falling apart. Like shit's breaking. I don't know. Can I say that? Sorry. Stuff yeah. is breaking. Like things are going bad and you have to kind of pay to keep things running and to keep flying. You've got to find work or you're going down in flames. So it kind of puts a good pressure on you. And also from a balance standpoint, it means you can't just be like a combat crew only. You can't only fire torps. You've got to actually have enough of a competent electronics tech and uh, crew dog 
kind of core to your crew to keep the thing running. And you need a doctor because there's space parasites and space plagues. And and you've got to have the right group of people on the boat or things go terribly wrong. And you know why, like no one's here to command these people. They're going nuts again. But the doctor doesn't over specialize. It'll kill you. Yeah. But the doctor doesn't heal everybody, right? It's like, I have to get to a planet that's got an actual medical facility and then I can pay money to heal people but it, it seems like the doctor can't keep up with it. And with a lot of the mishaps and stuff that happen, you know, it's like I'm flying along and, Oh man, I rolled a one reactor breach, you know, like everybody took 10 damage. And then it's like, I get to the planet and that costs me a, a boatload of money. Or will the doctor eventually fix that on the ship? If I just burn time. Yeah. I mean, one from a, a game design standpoint, one thing we really don't want to encourage is any just like flying in circles. So your onboard doctor fixes things. So mm. um, the doctor is mitigating that sort of damage. And I think as we keep going and get more and more ship components and beef up the onboard hospitals, that that'll like be able to reduce the damage of the reactor that blew up more. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you, if you message, if you message that as like, you know, the crew took 20 damage, but it's minus eight. So you only took 12 because of the doctor's skill roll or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, that would make you feel a lot better about the hospital or the doctor. Like yeah. prevented two people from getting, you know, radiation burns. Four of them were still burned, but hospital saved too or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I miss, I miss the clatter of the dice. Right. But it's with all these roles, it's like, God, how many rolls would, if I had to manually roll all that crap, I would just spend the entire journey like clicking on the dice, right? So I'm kind of glad that you don't make me do it. Well, it, was a, it was a pen and paper paper game. We'd make you roll every. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it, but it's, I, I wonder though, like uh, the log that goes on here is that a permanent thing that gets dumped out to a file somewhere? Because if I if I have a particularly epic game, you know, it's like have you have you listened to any of those dwarf fortress stories that that get posted up on reddit where people oh, yeah. tell this epic tale yeah man just yeah you have to enable that to happen by it, maybe not like every silly role that happens out in space about you know the captain's charisma or whatever but um but like the the major things and the the decisions that you make and stuff like that um you know i i would say like dump that out to a log somewhere with some permanence to it so we have the, the- the status, if you go to your status screen, there is a captain's log that has the big events in permanence. But I can't get that out of the game, though, right? Ah, uh, no. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I just need, like, an export to Excel button or something. Yeah, that actually wouldn't be too hard for the log. Um, and we're going to work on, like, the the content that gets copied in the log is going to be, like, the today it's, like, the high points. Like, people die or get recruited. And then we'll have the ability to write in like add your own log entries right in. Ooh. I like the idea to export it. That was a popular feature in the first game. People have sent me games where they're like, I've played this for two years and like like has 7,000 entries in it and stuff. And it's just it, exactly what you said. Those dwarf fortress, the stories we can tell as players with the games we love, mm-hmm. those things really make us want to keep playing. Yeah, and I, d- I don't want to work the art department too hard, but um, I w- what I did is I went through and I set like all the generic crew people to the same uniform, 
and there's one that's like a military uniform and the, and the rest of the stuff is kind of mercenary or, or whatever looking. Um, but it's, you know, I, I kind of like Starfleeted everybody. And then the, the flag officers I've actually got personality to. Right. But it, it's like, there's no uniform that really looks like, okay, that's my medic. And that's my, you know, my combat commando guy. And these are, these are my engineers or whatever. So it's, it's almost like I want role specific clothes for my guys so I can just identify them without having to name them like engineer or whatever. And, and maybe like more heads, right? Cause it's, yeah. it's kind of like the, yeah. it, it's like the, the facial features are tied to the head. So it's like, this guy has a goatee and that guy doesn't. Well, I wish he did. So it's almost like, I, I wish I could actually just modify hair and, and like facial hair and stuff on the different faces. So, you know, more of a paper doll system there, but that's like minor aesthetic stuff. Right. But, it, but it, Hey, if it's to the point where that's all I can find a bitch about mission accomplished. Yeah. That sounds exactly. pretty good. <laughs> but yeah. we are, we have actually heard what you're saying a lot that people want better, cleaner and more obvious uniforms. And they'd like crew to like conform when they're hired. So your mechanics should always Put on the mechanic gear when they get on the boat, boat yep. and it, all, all that stuff. Them, then you should yeah, be able to. Not alone in that. Yeah, yeah. The crowd is. And then, uh, and then definitely the same request is going around that if you have a outfit in a male form, that there should be something at least roughly similar in the female form. So if you've got like the, I don't know that there's that one. I think very for the guys, there's a very clean cut kind of Starfleet sort of uniform. And people are looking for a similar clean cut uniform in the girls. So there isn't one. So yeah, we've been, we just added hats before Christmas. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, and we're, we've got a big roadmap ahead of us of new outfits and faces. We're going to easily double it before we get to, <clears throat> before we launch the game live on steam. Or now, go out at early, uh, is, out it, early is the game moddable at all? Like will people be able to say add their own outfits? If, I mean, I know you're using your own engine, but I'm not sure how so we already, that we've is. already had a couple. We've already had a couple people doing it. Um, it's not the only problem is it's not supported right now. So people are doing it at their own risk. Um, we've got some some proof of concepts in Templar Battleforce. You can mod outfits and faces, and they stick around successfully between updates. Like it's it's supported. Um, so we're, we're headed that direction. We're excited to get there, but right now in early access, it's not, um, something that's top priority for us, but we've got people already going in and doing it. Probably players of battle force who know what they're doing and are just oh, cool. putting in star Wars stuff or whatever their favorite genre stuff is. Oh, yeah, man. I, I saw the stormtrooper uniform someone put in. Awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Workshop, if you do <laughs> yeah, it's workshop a, yeah. support for the characters and the ships. Oh man. Double your sales overnight. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, and I'm not I think kidding. Technically, I think we're we, we want to. Do, I don't know what the market impact will be, but we want to get the game to. With only two of us, it's tricky. We have to focus on getting the game done mm-hmm. and adding workshop support because getting like the game's buggy and half done right now, and you can mod this buggy half done thing. We don't right. feel like people are as excited about that, but when it gets no, out of early access and we say it's done and stable, here's the wiki, here's the mod kit. I think then it'll be great. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as you have the workshop stuff in mind, especially just just for uh, like ships and crew, you know, just graphic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where where people can can just do cosmetic things to the game. Um, I I absolutely assure you that it will do wonders for your sales because people are going to start telling like Star Trek and Star Wars stories in this thing, or you know, the Dune mod will be quickly upon you. Right. And there's a lot of IP things that you can't do because they'll sue you into the ground. But yeah, the modders can do. do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's why there's been a couple of games uh, that have come through here that I I was like, oh, God, please put in mod support. Right. Specifically, uh, Starhammer Vanguard Prophecy. Right. And and he recently got the Battlestar Galactica uh, IP and he's great success with that. But my God, if that first game had had mod support, we would have had like X-Wing miniatures converted over into that thing like overnight. It would have been like the day after it came out. It would have been like, hey, here's the giant Star Wars total conversion. I think the BSG game actually did pretty well or is oh, doing did. pretty well. So yeah. I I think that might – who knows? That might give Slytherin an in to maybe try and get that license. Can you imagine yeah, but at this point, they're not going to let you mod your own IP in because they lose the ability to license things and sell you the game again with a new skin on it, right? So it's kind of it's kind of the unfortunate thing of success is because they actually did get an IP. And now we're not going to see an open license to do what we want with it. I don't think. But that's fine, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean it's actually hey, happened. I haven't played Deadlock. It's so I good. Yeah, we're going to pause the show right now, and then you're going to go play Dead. <laughs> back um, in I played the heck out of Starhammer, but... <laughs> yeah, the thing with Starhammer that, that killed me, it's the shrimp, dude. I don't want to fight shrimp in space. Deadlock That's, is... I, sorry. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, Deadlock is even better than Starhammer because it's got this amazing map that's much more dynamic than Starhammer. So you not only have like these main missions you got to do, but there are all these side missions. Like if you protect this planet, they'll support you more, you know, in in the quorum. So yeah, there's a much more dynamic uh, meta game going on. It's kind of got an action. Co-op is fun too. Yes, yes. Uh, Jim and I did the co-op in that, and that was great. Yeah, we need to revisit that now that the free LC is out with the new ships because that was that was really the only downside of that thing was that the ship choices were kind of limited but then again you know there's not like a great variety it's like well there's battle stars and cruisers and stuff right so you, you only really need about five or ten ships but it's nice yeah to see and some of that's variety. like an ip limit right like i think so yeah because yeah. it's early in the cylon war so there's only so much they can do you know there's only so many ships they can have yeah yeah, so, seven seven per team, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So with well, us, one, sorry, God. Oh, the one thing that you guys were talking about earlier that it's it's time, folks. I'm going to bitch about elite. Um, yay! The one thing, <laughs> yay! Here it comes. Uh, the one thing that you guys said about the the driving thing behind the game is that you just don't have the ship and you go fly in circles and and whatever is because you actually have to take missions to pay the rent. Right. It's it's like just the cost of operating the ship. You got to pay the crew. You know, it's like you, you got to make pay the rent and make your car payment. Right. And if you don't, then what happens? Do you just go out of business? Do they come and try to repo the ship or what? 
the ship just breaks and it can't fly anymore and you get like a game over screen. Yep. Your crew all leaves and your ship catches on fire. You drift face, you see the game over screen. Excellent. They can mutiny as well, so there can be a blood a bloodbath on the ship at the end there if people get really unhappy. We could um, kill you. So wait, if there if there's a mutiny, because I I was playing today and I finally got to the boarding bit, which was really a lot of fun. Is there a mutant? If there's a mutiny, is it like the boarding bit, but with your own people fighting against each other? It was during the alpha, but we took it because it was just too hardcore. Oh, um, that's fair. We found that like you, we we found this issue where people were losing the game because they're they would or build a couple of specialists. And then something would happen with them, like get drunk or morale penalties, and then they'd have a mutiny, and their like super soldier dude would kill the captain in like two shots. Because you, the player equips them, and then you give them to the AI, and the AI is like, I see what to do. Okay. And you've like min maxed one soldier, and he mutinies everyone. So what we ended oh. up doing was. And of building a meta game where strength of the mutineers isn't directly tested with the combat AI because it just, just it was really hard to control. Like if three crew dogs mutinied, you shoot them. If your soldier mutinies, it's bad. Well, no, then he should just become the new captain, and you can go <laughs> on playing as him. Do you want to run the ship? Yes. We talked about that a couple of different times. Like, does that make sense in the game lore? And it's always exciting. Like, uh, I think Sunless Sea do that. I feel like Sunless I think Sea so. does that. I think Sunless Sea does yeah, have a successor system there. Yeah, the successor yeah. system, which is um, which is fun. We we talked about it. I think we've uh, we've kind of settled on our on our permadeath. Captain is the the old man at sea, old woman at sea. But the fact that the the story of them being this immortal, I think is, it's very, um, it fits into the myth of the 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 sailor, the Davy Jones sort of. Yeah. Because when you get into the later game, you're like, I'm coming back and visiting the this prince. Like I did business with his father, you know, 120 years ago. Like I met Callaghan Fan, and now it's like, you know, generations later, I'm still showing up in my ship buying and selling at this world so oh wow so hey this this is your first dlc opportunity then is you name the dlc number one the captain is dead and you're you are that guy that took over because the captain just died somehow right and you can even you can have like a generation system of like how did the captain die there's a there's a board game for that yeah, I know. It's yeah, it, it's the captain is dead. Oh, is it really? Uh, yes. Oh, yes it's never mind. That. Let's not do that. I, and I and I own it. It's great. Oh, okay, really? so it's a great board game. Concept's great. We're going to need to work on the title because it sounds like it's <laughs> title might be slightly impaired. That's amazing, though. That's amazing. Make it like a Klingon ship. <laughs> yeah, it's like, did you kill the captain? Did he die from like, like Venusian syphilis? You know, like what what happened? And natural causes. Like natural causes. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you could make it like Soul Trader, where you could actually die during character creation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. The These guys, they have a background in uh, in Traveler, so they know all about dying and character creation. Oh yeah. That's- the only version of Traveler I got to ask you guys this: the only version I've ever played was this game called Space on the. 
the Apple back in like it was like a late seventies, early eighties game. Did you guys play that one at all? Doesn't doesn't ring a bell. It was it was pretty much a direct port of Traveler. Like you could die during character creation and all that kind of stuff. And I never got far because I think I lost three characters <laughs> while I was making them. Awesome. That was mean. You know what you guys? You know what you guys need? It just came to me it, with with like the twenty thousand dollars that you're going to get <laughs> from doing this show. You can hire the guy from Darkest Dungeon, the narrator. And then have him actually narrate the game. Wouldn't that be the entire twenty thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah, blow twenty thousand dollars on that dude. Then. And in my opinion, it would be worth every. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the crew's morale was very low. I actually haven't played that one. Is the narrator awesome? Is it like Dungeon oh, Keeper he's awesome? I mean, oh, he's he's awesome. Oh, that's great. not not only is is the narrator fantastic, but the the writing staff. The problem is we could hire him for twenty thousand dollars. You'd have to read our stuff, which is like the crew has misused the act and are badly injured. No, but their <laughs> their narrator is fantastic, and their writing is really good. I think that's the unsung hero of the Darkest Dungeon hook project yeah. is the is the writing is yeah. Just- and I I think that game wouldn't exist without Bastion kind of like really? inspiring all that yeah because bastion have you not played bastion brian yes i have played bastion okay yeah because that game it's like the narrator is the game which i i was first playing it and it was like talking and i'm like oh i'm following the story and then i realized no no he's just saying what i'm doing and whatever i do he says this is awesome another great game yeah great soundtrack you, too. Uh, by the way, hello, I'm Hunter. Hi, Hunter. Welcome. I didn't meet you guys earlier. Sorry about that. Sorry I'm How's, late, everybody. How perfect to treat you. Yeah, well, Charlotte is a mystery to me. Um, I I wanted to add, I don't know if you guys have talked about this, but for some reason when I play your game, I get a very weird Star Crash vibe to it. Did anybody else, anybody else see that? Very, like, like David David Hasselhoff wait, the, and the, Mask. The movie Star Trek. Yes. Oh, I, like there, there's. I could kind of see that. That makes me feel like I'm like playing through a 70s or 80s epic sci-fi B movie, and I love it. I don't know why. I just get that feeling. I don't know if it's the character design or <laughs> what it is, but I I was digging it. And I was like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm playing like. Star Crash, like as if it were a game. You know, you guys could sneak some some things in there from B movies, like the quest for the blue star, where you have to pick up this this android named Galaxina. <laughs> this this one guy wants his vintage flying motorcycle, uh, and he's got a yes. he's, he's got a blue headband, he's got a blue bandana, and he really wants that vintage <laughs> flying motorcycle. That wasn't in space, but it was close enough. Close enough. <laughs> it, it, that movie was so high, it was kind of in space. <laughs> you know, sorry, this brings up this brings up the long lost fantasy that I really needed to see a Galactica nineteen eighty like chips remake. Oh god! They, uh, oh no! Remember, do you guys remember that? Where oh no! Flying the flying. Yes. Like, yes. Star Galactica and chips had a baby, and. That, was, that cheesy schlock. It was I so need bad. More of that in my life. Do you know? Do you guys know? Do, so, side note: Do you know what I got for Christmas from a friend? 
I got Street Hawk, the complete series on DVD. Do you guys remember Street Hawk? That's that's minutes of entertainment right there. <laughs> I don't know whether to be jealous or... Oh, you should be jealous. Night Rider with a motorcycle. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. It was street. It was Night Rider with a motorcycle, and it was terrible. Whenever, whenever was, he'd, hit, uh, he'd hit turbo boost, and they'd just like hit fast forward on the VCR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and instead of the talking car, he had that geeky guy back at base, the guy in the chair. You know, <laughs> Oh, such a terrible show. Okay, so speaking anyway, about, anyway, speaking <laughs> about super AI like Knight Rider motorcycles. The, so the guy that was in um the Warriors, right? And then in uh Oh, that poor guy. And Xanadu. And Xanadu. And Xanadu. That guy. That so poor guy. No. Where it's post Apocalyptic, oh, no. and he has a Knight Rider motorcycle. No, he doesn't. It's, it's like a magic. It's a magic oh, sentient motorcycle. No, yes. I, I will get oh, this. One. No, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I know it's not Time Rider: The Legend of Lyle Swan. No, no. That's a great movie. Spoiler: He's his own grandpa. Whoa, oh, that awesome. that guy picked the worst movies to be in. That poor guy. Yeah, Nemo <laughs> Williams. His age is really good at script selection. <laughs> but yeah, that and you're the not, guy who played Reva Williams. You're Megaforce, are you? No. The, well, yes, originally we the were. Guy, the, <laughs> yeah, the guy, one of the guys from Megaforce was also in The Warriors, and then he was in Xanadu, and then he was in Megaforce. It's like, what's happening to your career? <laughs> what is Nothing going, good. What is going on, He needed sir? the money. Apparently. Apparently he had a, a boat payment, and he's, uh, oh. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes you can't just take the job that you want. You have to pay upkeep on the spaceship. Oh. So you know, <laughs> that's and true. That's how we got here. Right? That's true. So, so with this game, because it actually has entropy in it, unlike Elite, where nothing ever breaks, I don't have to pay upkeep. I don't even have to pay for fuel for my ship. You have to fix your paint job, Jim. Jim, you have to oh fix your God, paint it's ten job. Ten credits every time. Ten I credits talk. every time you talk. You have to fix your yeah. Look at paint so job. It got scraped a little bit. And basically, if you don't get shot up, then you don't have to ever spend any money on upkeep. So there's no reason. There is nothing draining money on me. So I don't feel any impetus like, oh, God, I got to, you know, I got to get in here and actually start flying missions and hauling cargo and doing things. Um, and, and I want Elite to be basically Euro Truck Simulator in space where I have my own business and I got to pay for that. And I, you know, I got to make sure like the secretary gets paid. And I got to bribe dispatchers and, you know, whatever, whatever else you do in that. But, but it's like, there is no upkeep of the ship. And in this game, there's hella entropy on that ship. Uh, it's sorry, almost like an entropy simulator. Tangent. Was it battle truck? Uh, no, but that is another terrible thing. Cause that came out the same year as Megaforce. Anyway, continue. All, all of this is. Um, oh man. Anyway, <laughs> You're just going down the list of movies in my collection. Anyway, um, yeah, that is one great thing about this game is that what you do matters. Like just taking a moving from one planet to the next, you might have these terrible th things happen on the way, like a battle, or you might like your ship might break. But I also well, love that, that if you if you have to fly far, right? You oh gotta God! Pay for the fuel for that. Got to pay for the Plus, fuel. The further the the longer you fly the more you just have to pay upkeep on the ship. Mm -hmm. So you better be taking jobs along the way, yeah. not just go from A to Z without stopping in the middle. Well, you so can't, you can't think the, about this stuff. 
you can't stack jobs, I don't think, can you? You can. You just have to be careful um, that oh. you don't get in over your head, promise things that are working against each other, or agree to go through any dangerous territory. As the as you ramp up the difficulty level, the idea is that the game pushes you to have to play more different aspects of it. On basic, you can just do missions. They pay well enough, fuel's cheap enough. You don't even really need to trade along the way. You bump the difficulty up. Now you can do missions, but you also need to trade occasionally, profitably while you go. And on Impossible, you need to be paying attention to rumors, exploiting every conflict you see. When there's a shortage, you need to trade into it. When there's a surplus, you need to buy out of it. Wow. Because because the 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 cost of everything just goes... That's one of the big difficulty factors is how much is fuel, how much is repair, how much your crew want, how pesky are the enemies. And and as you go towards impossible, everything just gets more and more expensive. So it isn't that it introduces new mechanics. It's just that it turns up the heat a little bit. So you need to make a few more actions every jump, a few more trades every mission to just keep ahead of that, keep the ship flying. And one, one thing I love that you can also do in the game besides missions and trading is exploring planets. Not not enough games have that, I think, especially open world, like, trading mission games like this. Like, they just assumed all the planets are fully explored and there's nothing to find anywhere, you know? But I like how, oh, there's a wilderness on this planet. I'm going to see what I can fuck up and find. <laughs> and I got to say, that is great. I like the, uh, the first game. You could... You could, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You could set up a you know a supply cache. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. If right. you need it later, you can go back to it. Yeah, like a hidden treasure. This game's this game's exploration is a little bit. It feels more personal. I know in the first game, I would occasionally land at the cliffs of insanity and be like, "How many people would you like to take exploring?" Seventy, and it would be like eighty people died, and you're like, "Wait." That's unfortunate. <laughs> I will just go recruit some more. Now when it's like three people have died, I'm like, wait, who died? And I go to the log and I'm like, no, not Bob. Bob's my <laughs> best dude. How did he die? He fell into a lava pit. That idiot. It feels much more. It, because there's characters, it feels like a lot more involved. It's more that it depends on how you look at it. You can play it and feel like Darkest Dungeon, like, Oh, I just lost Bob or it's Starhawk and you're like, it's stupid Bob, you know, and you giggle and laugh and click recruit some more and you laugh about the people falling into the lava. So it really, I think it depends on if you, how you view the game, which is something that we've seen true of a lot of our star traders games is people have different, you know, perspectives on how grim they want to feel about the crew dying. Oh, I'm I'm of the like I don't want to lose one crew member. They're like they're all super important besties to me, and and none of them could die. And if one leaves, I take it real hard. You would Even not want right to be. You would not want to be on Andrew's ship because Andrew <laughs> runs it like Kirk. Oh He's no. like, oh hello, level one bullet shield. Have fun <laughs> in the, <laughs> the frame with you. <laughs> He sent me a save game. I was like, wait, is there a bug with these recruits? And he's like, no. I'm like, I really recruited that many guys. Like, how? What happened to them all? <laughs> Why? What was what was the deal? What was the deal with these the recruits? I don't need to count of how many you recruit. So if you just, you, you, I needed those people. <laughs> just had to keep finding more people. <laughs> <than> <laughs> in my 20 years. I mean, he shows back. I don't imagine how 
in game it worked. He shows back up at the spice hall and he's like, Hey, uh, anybody want to join my crew? And they're like, weren't you here three weeks ago? Didn't Bob and Bill and Sam all join your crew? Yeah. They quit. <laughs> Do you want to join? They violently quit. <laughs> they quit when they fell into the lava pit. I stopped paying them once they were charred to death. They were no longer ass. They were no longer assets to my organization. <laughs> they, they are former crew, retired, so to speak. Retired, <laughs> and they have a log entry that indicates where they died and when. So you can go back for your dwarf fortress story and say, "Well, I recruited him on Morovia Peak, and then three days later, he died at Edge Delta." Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> that poor guy. You know, ten years ago, there was this. We went through a rough period where we may have had some bad things happen, but now I'll be honest on the normal, I've only been playing on the normal difficulty level cause I am a coward, but the nice thing is this game can kind of cater to cowards. Like if you run into a ship, Oh, I would have bribed them and run away. You know, I, I really like, like you have the option for people who don't want to fight everyone that comes their way. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> Absolutely. And on the higher difficulties, like, tactical surrender is a really key strategy i've surrendered to pirates where i'm like you know what i don't want this load of cargo i'm not even gonna fight you you just take it take the 30 units of bio waste it's yours <laughs> and you can diffuse you can diffuse a lot of politically sticky situations by just giving them your cargo and leaving that's awesome so what if you don't have any cargo and it's like hey there's pirates and it's like haha jokes on them all right shut off the engines are, are they still going to screw with your ship or steal some of your crew? It, it depends on how hostile you are towards the faction. If they're if they're there to kill you, surrendering is a bad idea. The game does a good job of eliminating options that are violently bad for your ship. So if it presents you with the surrender button, they might beat you up. They might uh, drag you before a kangaroo court, but they won't. They won't kill you or take your crew or anything like that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because like in the first mission, I got the Arbiter on my ship, and I got pirates, and I'm like, hmm, should I heave to see what they do? No, they might take her. Do so they kill? Do they kill? Does anybody kill the Arbiter, Andrew? No, she, the Zendu. No pirate is going to be that stupid, so they will never <laughs> take other missing <laughs> other passengers. Well, they'll they'll execute your the, ship, but not her. passengers. Yeah, they not the. Okay, so I wasn't sure if she was special or not. Like if you're just. Transporting somebody's friend, the pirates will definitely kill them if they hate them. And your the contact that you worked with could be really teed off at you. Yeah, well, and it, you could get in a situation where it's like we don't have a beef with you, but you got to give us that guy that we don't like, and then yep. we'll let you go. Yeah. Oh, can that happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. So did the, did the pirates ever bad. hail you and just say, "Hey, this is what we want"? Or does it always? Do you have to get into the fight thing, like the fight or the? It, it's almost like I would like to have some negotiation before I decide if I'm going to fight or shut the engines off. There's a couple of tabs on there, like the political and the crew report, that will tell you like why they're after you, and that could be like this contact has sent them as a bounty hunter to kill you, or they're after you because there's a pirate fleet here, or whatever. It can give you some clues, um, and there are. There are abilities that your crew can train. Uh, I can't think of any offhand other than skip off the void, Andrew, but 
Stiff salute. Um, yeah, stiff salute. Uh, depending on your, there's kind of a jettison cargo. The like, the, yeah, jettison cargo. Depending on your type of characters and their types of, if they're a military officer, there's certain things you can do to get friendly with them or forge signatures. If they're a bounty hunter, there are certain things you can do. If they're a smuggler, there are certain talents you can use. So there are a lot of different crew members especially your officers who can kind of help you find those negotiation tactics, but it takes a bit, it's all done through talents and not kind of generic options always provided. So bribe is there depending, but then if you want to get through pirates there, you should look into merchants or other pirates to kind of help you work that out. Wow. Okay. So, so <clears throat> sorry, so go ahead. not only am I working like for the big houses and stuff, but can I just like buddy up to pirate factions that are out there or are the pirates all, uh, is it kind of like Sid Meier's pirates where it's like, okay, there's, there's a bunch of freebooters out there, but they're actually politically backed. You know, it's like you got a letter, a mark from somebody that says, which I noticed you, I can't actually buy that from that first dude. It's just like, yeah, if I pay this guy, then I can go out and sack other ships in his name. Yep, there's uh there's it's more privateers than pirates. There are indie factions that are like unaffiliated non-political pirates that um you can get involved with the story. They're a bit extreme in some of their political views, but right Andrew, you can get involved with some of their fringe. Yeah, the, you could get in, in, involved in the Hunter Collective. Someone call them terrorists, someone call them um, freedom fighters, someone call them crazy. So there are some really out there indie factions that are completely on their own, but mostly if you're pirating, you're doing it more like a privateer for someone, or for yourself, but often flying under someone's flag. So you should you should just go all the way and put the, the nudge and wink in to Sid Meir and just have like a sword fighting competition and a dancing competition. And you can, you can like court the, the, uh, governor's daughter or something. We're working on adding a new type of rumor. There's a lot of rumor events that happen. So they're kind of things happening across the galaxy, different risk and rewards you might chase. And we're looking at the spice festival being a, a upcoming Ooh. type of rumor. Well, I, be- I personally would love to see like um, pit fighting open up during the spice spice festival, so you could take your crew there and and send in four people to the pit, so that you can have those sword fighting competitions. I don't know about there's governors, daughters, but I'm pretty sure this is Andrew just wanting to kill more of his crew. <laughs> All I hear with the pit fighting is like I'm going to recruit some dudes, I'm going to send them in there and bet money on them. Now, can have Space Vegas. Can there be rumors about you? Like, if you start making a name for yourself, can there be uh, like rumors about you that AI will be like, "Oh, we gotta f- find this guy and kill him"? Absolutely. There's um, the AI can become aware of you, uh, and they can issue like warrants for your arrest. What and then you can? Oh, that's great. You can pay pardons. Like you could say there was a bounty hunter that's after you on behalf of this prince. If you find a prince that you're friendly with, that knows the other prince, you can buy pardons that would offset the other prince's hostility towards you. It, it, it's more involved with contact to contact, um, but they can definitely send people after you and cause all sorts of trouble with, with your, um, your political affiliations, try and undermine your reputation, spread is, lies about you. Is there a way to easily see who knows who? 
I wasn't sure. I, I don't think I've gotten that far in the pol- politics yet. But is there like a tree or anything where you could see who knows who? You know, there's a list per contact, but a tree actually seems like a really good way to represent a tree it. Tree would be really cool. We have to look into some visualizations because I think you're right. Like I think once you get into the mid game, like tracing it is important, but sort of you it's sort of difficult at this point because you kind of gain the context over time. But I think once it reaches a critical point, being like who's linked to who is a question that anyone would answer, would ask, and a tree would really be a good way to visualize or a web kind of, of sorts. A web. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, can exactly walk through like it like who are you connected to? And I can yeah. I can see what you mean. Just well, f- maybe something like, you know, the, sort of like the, the research tree in certain games where you have nodes. Each person is a node, and then you, you click on that person, you see what contacts they're connected to, those highlight up. And then you can say, okay, well, this person is connected to this one, so if I want to get my reputation back, I can I can go in and spend some of my, my favor with them to get my reputation back. So here's here's a question. You have all these, like, it sounds like you have a ton of, like, all these little AI subroutines going on. You have the factions, you have the contacts, you have pirates, you have privateers. How do you put all this into a 250 megabyte package? A lot of compression. C++ is pretty efficient. A lot of compression. Because that, that's amazing. Like, I'm reminded of, say, like, Starflight. I don't know if you guys ever played Starflight, but it had like a massive galaxy with hundreds of planets on two low density floppy disks back in 1986. Back in the day, man, people just did what they you did what you had to do. I love those games. Look back and you wonder like I think Super Nintendo is a great example. Also, you look you read the hardware specs and you're like, surely you had more than 12 kilobytes of memory. Surely. Well, I was I was just reading the uh, the Art of Atari, which is a, a great art book, but it also goes into like the history of all the Atari consoles. And it, one of the big things they talk about is how the programmers had to work with like the four kilobyte limitation or whatever it was of that console. It's like Jesus. <laughs> no wonder. Wow. Amazing. No wonder there's only one button. <laughs> like, what else are you gonna program? <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, that just I mean. There's, there's, I can already tell there's so much going on here, and your game is not that big. That's really impressive. Like again, like well, how many, you. how many gigabytes does Elite Dangerous take up? I mean, yes, it's a first-person flight sim, but I mean, it doesn't have anywhere near the level of system interaction that your game has. Well, oh, one of the that game is gorgeous, right? When you turn, of course, Elite it's good. To like ultra, ultra on my computer, it runs at two frames a second, but it is. Stunning. Yeah, sure, it's gorgeous, but like, who cares if there's like nothing really to do, or like, oh, I could do a mission, yay! I'll get a little more money, yay! I'm not doing, I'm not influencing. I'm sorry, we've gone over that before. I just, Elite Dangerous is a big disappointment around here. <laughs> it just, it just needs. It's missing the reason for me to do things. Yeah. Other than to get a bankroll for the next bigger yeah. show. Yeah. I don't have to maintain what I have. In real life, I got to pay the rent every month. If I like, quit working, I'm on the street. I think power and, play was a step in the right direction, but it was only the one step, <laughs> and they never yeah. went further than that one. 
And so and the engineers is completely broken. Oh god, that's in my opinion. I think that's what killed it for me was the grind for engineers. You know, I think that's one of the things that killed it for me. Mm-hmm. Just oh my sorry, we we're very we, we we loved that game when it came out. We were very excited about it. And then we're like, why can't we see each other? Why can't we fly with each other? Oh, now we can fly with each other. Why isn't this working? <laughs> it's like, oh no. It's like it's like they have such a good platform to make yeah, such a good a lot game. Of potential. Yeah. yeah. And then you guys come along with this game. Surely it's nowhere as pretty. I'm sorry, it's not. But it, oh, it's a single player kind of game, right? But at the same time, is easier. But the thing is, at the same time, you have like, like I had to pay my crew, so I had to do a mission. I had to fix my ship, so I had to, I had to, I had to trade. Like, like Jim was saying, there are viable reasons to like carrot and stick. There's there are viable reasons to keep moving forward. You know? Even the smallest decisions can be meaningful. Yes. That's yeah. one of the things I really like about it. Yes. Well, and, and one of the things about this game, because you have the crew, then the uh, all those mishaps that happen, right, the entropy on your ship, I, I haven't figured the formula out, but I'm sure that if I carefully pick the right skills for my crew, I can minimize that stuff. And as they skill up, it probably gets better. Um, you know, so hope, hopefully oh, it yeah. becomes negligible as time goes on, right? But when you're a new crew, that's very painful. Um, and, you know, like a little bit down the road, it probably just won't burn as much because I'll be into bigger things to waste my money on. But in yep. the for beginning of the game, it's like, yeah, that gives me the that gives me the correct amount of pressure at the beginning of the game because it's, it's just like, well, what do I want to do? It's like, no, no, what do I need to do? And then I can figure out what I want to do. But I got to take care of what I need to do to just keep this bucket flying. And later in the game, your crew have mastered operating the ship, but they want a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure they want more money for the skills yeah, they've as, been gaining. Yeah, as that they makes, get better, their their rent goes up, which makes especially total if sense. they're greedy. That's part of the challenge. Oh, really? Is like based on where you recruit <sighs> them. Like you get good, pl- you get good crew members at high population, high economy worlds. Because there's a lot of people there to pick from, but they also tend to be professionals and maybe a little bit money hungry. So you can end up like if you recruit crew and they run, get out of, out of hand, or you have a few mutinies and you make some promises of salary, can quickly get to the point where you you want to kick people off your ship just because they want so much money. And can you do that? Can you kick people out of your crew? Oh yeah. Yeah, yes, I, I mean, you have to fire people off fairly regularly. If you find, like, brutes or you conscript someone from a pirate ship and they're a saboteur, you may need to get rid of them. They're or if a guy's a douche and he's constantly starting fights in the in the galley, right? Cause yeah, it, what's what's that well, one like? It, there, there's a thing where it's like the captain failed a leadership role and there was a fight. And it's like, well... Really? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Wow. Role, just as you're flying along. It's, it's just like you blew a roll... Two guys tried to kill each other. It's, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm flying a prison, not a ship. But <laughs> Well, okay, so th- one of the things is if you've been recruiting people from different factions, they can get into a lot more fights. So one of the things oh, you really? think about is, yeah, do I have like a brute from a from a other faction? So you can, you can when you go into your crew, you can, you can view them by their traits. Um, so you can just kind of look through all the crew for brutes and gossips 
What's the other really bad one, Andrew? Snobs, greedy. Snobs, I mean, there's a whole greedy. bunch of wow. good, like semi-bad traits, but they're generally paired with good traits. So that brute is also a bruiser and yeah, maybe yeah. ex-military and he might be a snipe, snipe sh- a sharpshooter and you just can't, you're just going to have to live with him because when he gets in crew combat, there's nobody better. So, well, you know, yeah, it must nice. be a thing. Kind of jagged alliance it sounds like a little bit. Well, it's oh, almost yes, like yes. a thing if you if you put a note on the crew's dossier, right? Like that, you know they they have their uh, their history, right? And each crew person, I could look and just be like, oh, that's the guy that started the fight. That's the third time he's done that. Let's fire this asshole. <laughs> or or if it just said, you know, like Jones doesn't like Williams. Right. And it's yes. like, oh, these two guys don't Give like each other. Give us more charts. Give us more charts and well, things. Yeah, it's like <laughs> these these two guys don't like each other. One of them's gotta go, or I'm gonna continue to have problems. But they both have skills that I value. So do I wanna put up with the bullshit or do I wanna just consider one of them expendable and try to rehire or what? You know, so it's it's uh it's space middle management. It's a cool idea. I hadn't thought about it. A uh, way to visualize like crew that were in conflict with each other. Yeah, if you just if you just stick names on like this guy that doesn't like that guy for you know for whatever reason if they're different factions or or whatever that is you I mean you could even put in like why uh, or not have that detail you know it, it, maybe I'll just figure out you're kind like, oh, yeah, maybe it's an under the hood kind of thing you're you know? ki- you're kind okay, of getting into things. you're kind of getting into like tycoon slash business management almost at that point yeah, but well, maybe in a way maybe that's not to... a bad idea because you're kind of managing a business you're managing like this independent business really well another <laughs> another place you guys could let the dice fuck me is if I got a situation like that then I could actually like click on the crew right and like i i would have a uh like a button there like come to my office (laughs) (laughs) and and then i get a conversation tree with this guy where i can tell him to chill his shit out or get off my ship or whatever and maybe he'll tell me what his beef is you know so i don't know if you guys can get that in there does sound a bit yeah like the consult button taken yeah. a bit farther i like yeah, it would be like a consult deal <laughs> yeah yeah now, now I, I have a question about mutinies uh if your crew mutinies do they kill you or can they like drop you off somewhere and like a, suddenly you have no ship and a tiny bit of money is that like what are the possibilities when a crew mutinies uh you die or you retain control of the ship the the story is that you are you are licensed Star Trek, you have this. It's sort of like the English captain in the Age of Sail. You have a license to be a captain. If you lose your boat, that thus ends your story. Uh, so that makes in, sense. In Star Traders, it's it when you are no longer a captain, you're a grav, and it's game over. So you either kill the mutineers, pay them off, and convince them to to uh, you know hang out or stay on board. You work it out with the mutineers or it's game over. And then on like lower difficulties, it says you would have died and it resets everything so that you can keep flying. That's kind of great. It makes sense. Like if you're a grav, why would you keep playing? That makes sense. By the way, I love that term. Yeah. That's That's great. That's a great, that's a great term. That's a great. I don't even know when that one was invented, but it's old. It is, it's old. It's, Spacers it's and grabs. Spacers and grabs. So there is a lot of disdain for the grabs in the in the lore and the dialogue. 
No, it's well, great. they don't have the freedom. That's that's yeah. what they lack is the freedom that having you know, the the license to be out there. Yeah, it's it's great when sci-fi has that kind of factional conflict, like the the Belters and the Earthers in you know mm-hmm. the ex- in the Expanse, for example. So it, when it's done well, it's great, and uh, so that sounds awesome. Like, and I think Firefly had a good the brown coats, the kind of the like freedom, yeah, the people yeah. on the ship. Yeah, uh, found ourselves in another alliance friendly bar on you day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> now can can back you get in the Sorry, go oh, ahead. sorry, go for it. No, go, go, go. I was gonna say back on the thing about brutes and we were talking about traits and all the different traits you can get. I think one of my favorite things about the whole setup is that every time you take any action in the game, so if you're you land on a planet, you trade or you take a mission or you pirate and you like blow up someone's ship or you loot or you go exploring there's a very fractional percent that one of your crew members will develop a trait that matches that activity. So the more you blow up enemy ships and the more you loot or steal their fuel or kill people in combat, the more merciless and brutes and soldiers and hatred builds up on your boat. And if you're immoral, never blown up a boat, always traded, blah, 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 then you get loyalists and rigidly lawful and happy people slowly surround you. And the same thing with exploring and spying, you get like sneaky people or adventurous people and just sort of over time, very slowly, but your crew builds up that kind of this dust of the resonance of everything you've been doing. I think that's one of the coolest things about it always makes me think of a TV show. You eventually get this cast of characters who really match how you've played over the 10 years of your your captain's life. They reflect you, basically. You know, you could have a murder mystery on the ship, too, right? Like, (laughs) uh, if you get the conversation system in with the crew. It was Colonel Mustard. Maybe, like, somebody disappeared from the crew. Colonel Mustard in the galley with the laser No, no, it's it's just like, (laughs) suddenly, I'm minus one crew member. What happened to Stevens? (laughs) It's like... Hmm. So then you find out like one of the guys is like a psycho and he, he like airlocked the guy. Or, or on the, like a, oh, sorry, go ahead. We, brought a, we brought aboard a mysterious egg and it's open. Oh uh-huh. yeah, man. There's a guy with the trait space parasite, like oh. Zeno, Zeno hatchling. You know, I think there's a lot of cool stuff we'll be able to do. And Andrew's been working on some really neat story elements, like that kind of go in that same direction of not only, can you have context, but you could have story people that end up on your ship. There's like the princess or not the, she's, is she a princess, Andrew? Valencia? Aris. Yeah. Aris. All right. So you can bring some story context on the, onto your ship that can cause problems. You can talk to them. They can come and go be officers or crew members. And I think there will be other people in that other storylines like that, where the crew actually become actors in the story. Maybe they're murderous. Maybe there's somebody important, some bratty nephew or some secret spy. Ooh. Maybe you know, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that gets triggered in the game. So maybe at some point, you know, you'll click recruit and you think you just got a regular dude, but you just got it, the murderer. It's possible. What if, what if there was like a, a super hot Brazilian Benny Jesser prostitute and you had to take her to different planets? 
Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. That's that's Firefly. They already did that. I I I was just thinking, like, what if some of the crew got together and had a kid? Like, is that a could that be a possibility? <laughs> okay, so uh, how funny of, would that be? Kids, um, I need a parrot. If I'm gonna be a space pirate, I need a space pirate. <laughs> oh God, that's the second request for pets we've had today. Yeah, that is in fact <laughs> today. Absolutely. Wait, it's, today, it's big, man, it's big parrots out there, monkeys, dude. Yeah, I'm telling monkeys. you, the parrot is a hat. Like, I think we just need to accept that. Like, you can you you're picking hats, and then one of them's a parrot that's on your. <laughs> or, or what about one of those space cats from Honor Harrington? No, I just want yeah. I just want uh, Hey Hey from Moana. If you guys could make that happen, that'd be great. Oh my God, Boo the space gerbil. <laughs> Go for <laughs> the eyes, Boo. Space the pets if you don't put space gerbils in this game, feature. I am downvoting your ass on. Space. Oh yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like suddenly there's a you bomb. Just, just, it. just make I'm it another review bomb. Just make the mem- space gerbils. No just fail. make the pet. Just make the pet another member of the crew with their own traits, like adorable lap cat. You know, just, yeah, just raise his morale. <laughs> those are their All jobs. Run on that wheel. <laughs> oh, you know, you could hook the. No, it could be like the Wesley Crusher of space hamsters. Oh no, it's like the engine's broken, but then you hook the hamster up, and he can power the ship. It's like an emergency thing. Yeah, please, please, like please don't have a wonderkind. Please don't have a wonderkind on there. Please. <laughs> no, but it's just a little hamster wheel, and he can like, run in the engine room. Or a Plus hedgehog. One. Or a hedgehog. Don't even go hamster. Just Plus go hedgehog. Go full on ferrets. Go ferrets. Anyway, <laughs> pets would be cool, especially if they could have like their own little traits. You know, like they 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 make the crew happier. You know, have have a have a ship cat. You know, it's just a small tweak to the artwork. It could actually be all ponies in space. Oh god! Yeah, and we are we are really looking forward to releasing mod support. <laughs> just super star ponies. Super excited to see what uh, you guys have seen. Brave Star, the ultimate horse-based law enforcement cartoon. I oh, Brave oh, Star god. was oh, a yeah. Brave Star was a wonderful cartoon. That's that's my only hope for the mod community is basically like here's uh, mod support. The only thing you have to give me is, is my brave. captain as a robotic horse. Brave Star, yeah, give me Brave Star. Oh, brave Star was so well, good. What Not- if the captain is the robotic horse? Even better, sir. And and his name could be Captain Ed. I'm gonna and go. He can, only, he can only count to five, and he likes apples. <laughs> And he gets really mad. I'm going to go buy that DVD set right now. <laughs> and we got review bombed already by the person who were like multiplayer. Wait, what? Wait, wait, till the, wait till the Chinese language support guys get you. I know. They, no Chinese localization. Go straight to hell. I would really like to localize a game. We've just struggled to find the... I think that costs more than $20,000. I oh, keep you, trying know, to figure you, know how, out. you know how to do it. I've seen people like they they did this. It's genius. Workshop support. So you take all the language stuff that's in the game and you make it workshop moddable, and then people can just put up a workshop mod for Chinese or Brazilian or whatever the hell they want it to be. It's actually a very good idea that I put, think put um, the community to work. Yeah. Who is who's been doing that? Uh, they are billions has been doing that to to incredible success. So that game is so hard. By the way, it's so yeah, hard. It's, it's oh hard. my god! I think I, I think the longest I lasted was like half an hour. 
Maybe. Yeah, and the bonus is if you open it to workshop support, then you get like a free pig Latin translation. It's true. Too. You get the really the esoteric languages. Esperanto. Urukai and so, Klingon. So uh, you said that you're, uh, you have a really long roadmap for this game. How long are we talking? Like, How long do you foresee yourselves in early access with this thing? We don't want to be in early access that long. Um, a number of more months, a couple more months here. We're moving at a pretty good pace. We've published a dev roadmap to the Steam boards where everybody can check it out. And we've kind of grouped the development into three different major feature sets, um, including the third one will involve uh, adding carrier support so your ship can launch fighters. Ooh. Um, and at that point, we would we are considering that the game will be very, hopefully very close to being done. but a lot of that for us has to do with listening to the community and making sure that people agree with us. We've got a really good player base talking a lot right now, so we're just making sure we get the game properly polished and done and we finish up that roadmap. So hopefully a couple months maximum, yeah, and then a couple more able, months. You're going to be able to hire fighter pilots and you can get space bucks, that cigar-chewing chick. Yep. Ah, oh, man. The even more weird crew interactions. And then your crew in the fighters will get to get blown up in combat and you be like, no, I loved her. She's dead. But she'll come back as an angel. True. And do graffiti on the wall. The, the, the the she'll come back as a parrot. She'll come back as the captain's parrot. But it'll be like an angel that sits on his shoulder and gives him bad advice. Oh, man. <laughs> But that sounds, I mean, the game is so playable right now. And you said there, I mean, but you guys have so much to do, but you guys do things so fast that, like, you know, the, the other game. I shouldn't be surprised, it's only a few months. There's only a couple of games I put on a pedestal. This is going to be one of them. And then the other one that's like neck and neck with it, because it also does the very things that I want in one of these games is 30 30 Death War. Because you've own a ship, you fly it around, you get out and talk to knuckleheads at the bar, and there's narrative stuff and all these good things. But that's more like a a real-time action thing, and then this is turn-based. So I guess it's the difference between, like, do you want to play Asteroids or do you want to play Darkest Dungeon? You kind of... Yeah. Yeah, we are... I don't think I've played enough of that game. It's great. It's great. It's really, not to slow really down your development cycle, but just, uh, you know, one of those times when you should be asleep, just play that instead. Do you guys do this full time, by the way? Yep. That's amazing. We sure yeah, back do. When we, we got that $20,000 Kickstarter. We, <laughs> that was a really big number. We both quit our, our day jobs, actually. <laughs> He's not, he is not kidding. <laughs> you know, when you guys not, are talking about the compression. joking? Like, no. He's dead you know, like Back in the old days, they used to sleep with a floppy disk under their mattress because they could compress files while they slept. That's true. What? Back in the day when programmers were real programmers. I've used autocomplete, dude. It's sad. I just press tab. I know, right? Like that whole auto sense thing is spoiling us. <laughs> All coding is just done by hitting tab, 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 tab. <laughs> That's, that's, that's your next project is, is an IDE that codes for you. You just like beat the tab key and it writes programs. 
it would be a great joke app. Ninety nine cents. Steam store, go for it. Was our we were gonna do another joke app earlier to Oh yeah, we were gonna put our Zork line. Oh yeah, yeah, you'd so totally do that. So ga- folks, the game is Star Traders Frontiers. It is currently, as we record this, on sale for eleven ninety nine, but it's regular price. Is that because of the Steam sale or is that like a, is that like Steam sale? Yeah. Okay. So for two more days as we record this, because the sale ends on Thursday, I think. Thursday morning. Yep. Um Thursday morning. Yeah, so uh it's eleven ninety nine for the next two days, and then it goes up to fourteen ninety nine. Uh, it is currently in early access, but it already feels very complete. And these guys, I don't know how you do it, but you update so fast. Like I've I, I've rarely seen a game with the update frequency of yours. This Any, is a sixty dollar twenty dollar game. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it only costs fifteen. Yeah, yeah. That's about what we've been aiming for. Yep. Yeah. That that feels like uh, a real big compliment. Would you say this is like? Sorry. We have often said we want it to feel like it costs way more than we're charging for it. Would you say this is like your biggest, most fleshed out product so far? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as much as I love the the earlier games, you can you can feel that this this one feels, and there's so many nice little touches in here. Like one of the things I love is like. The, the icons that surround a planet that just at a glance tell you what's there. I love that. You know, stuff like that. You know, more games need nice little things like that. So, yeah, this game is great, you guys. It's called Star Traders Frontiers. 15 bucks, worth more than that. <laughs> yeah, it's worth $20,000 at least. $20,000. <laughs> so, I was very happy to back the Kickstarter for this one. You can buy a lot of pizza rolls for twenty thousand. Did yeah. you back us on Kickstarter? Uh, I did indeed. I, I also well, thank did. You. I just yeah. want to say personally to everyone yeah. that backed us on Kickstarter, thank you so much. This game was made because of you. It was a pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Without you, it wasn't gonna get. It wasn't gonna happen. So, so thank you very much. So use the money wisely. Use it well for pizza and 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 alcohol. Whatever the fuel That's you right. need is to uh, keep programming. Just keep buying that. Uh, Spice. Folks, just just to wrap up, a couple of quick programming notes. Uh, Thursday uh, on the LAN party, we're going to return to Brass Empire, the uh, board game we played a little while back and had a great time with. Uh, We said we're going to return to it because... I don't remember why exactly we didn't last too long last time. I think I wasn't feeling well. You were you were not feeling well. Tired. Yeah. yeah, I think I wasn't feeling well. I was probably coming down with whatever sick uh, plague I got. Um, so we're going to return to that. And then next week on the show, uh, we're recording at a different time than usual because our guest is overseas. We're, ret- we're recording at th- t- noon Pacific time, which is very unusual for us. Uh, but we're going to be talking to the developer of Orbital Racer next week, which is very exciting because that game, I don't know if you all have played that. It's amazing. So it's good. good time. He needs to get a console release and he needs to get multiplayer going. I, I think I would say know, I would say head tracking about that next week because I, would, I talked to him about multiplayer stuff and uh, it's not that he doesn't want to do it. So I would talk to him next. Yeah. Week and that. I yeah. would say head tracking is a higher priority than multiplayer personally. That game is desperate for head tracking. Oh my god. 
so yeah, desperate for a dragon. It's so close to a wipeout kind of thing, right? He just needs Sony to come in and like write him a big check. And well, that game is really, but the, but they already King. they already have Red out. They don't need another wipeout. You know, I mean, what we, I mean, this is its own thing. I think so. It, I think it, I, multiplayer would be great, but I don't think it needs it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's pretty niche, though. I mean, yeah, in so mode, niche. It's one thing. Yeah. When you flip that thing over to sim mode, that should make people I, that played CQC and Elite wonder I can, why. Frontier didn't put this in Elite. I can only imagine. It's very thruster heavy, isn't it? When you play in sim mode, I haven't played in sim mode yet, but it's very yeah. But I'm I'm just beside. I I cannot explain why they didn't put ring racing in CQC. Basically, they already had like flying through rings and do. uh, Folks, basically, folks, basically, Orbital Racer is if someone took the ring. Courses from like X Wing, Tie Fighter, Independence War, whatever, and made a full blown racing game out of it, and it's amazing. Like lovingly crafted a full blown racing game. It really yeah. is, and you can play it, it really arcadey, or you can play it hard as balls reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and the ar- mode. and the arcade mode has power ups, which are a lot of fun. The simulator mode doesn't, and then you could do you can have multiple pilots, so you can have a career in either one. If you want, it's just there's so much good here. So we're going to be talking to him next week. Very excited about that. Uh, But Andrew, Corey, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your uh, evening to talk to us about uh, all your games and this one, especially Star Traders Frontiers. Again, we are big fans and we should probably have you back uh, once it hits 1.0. You should probably definitely. I think it'll be awesome. Yeah, Um, we would love to come back and. And show you what we've been able to accomplish once we get out of it. It feels like you've already accomplished so much, and you're just yeah, this game is this game is better than what we deserve. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. wait. We're so not worthy. We're does not the worthy. Continue like throughout. Do you know like that that first dose that I'm getting of getting involved in that political stuff. And it's like, do I want to do this? Cause it's going to lower my standing with them. And or do I want, are you making those choices like all the way through? Does it crop up here and there? I, I assume um, it's not like right continuous. now, right now it crops up here and there. When we get into one, Oh, it's going to be more than three of influential decisions that will craft a universe. And you'll go through plagues and purges and the formation of the Senate, the collapse of the Senate, the the global fallout that follows be able to track this long arc of history and the the fen conflict will be at the end a footnote in your captain's log some dude and his daughter kicked it all off if you don't if you don't pick up the gungan then the senate will never fall because i've seen that movie it was (laughs) it was jar jar all along Uh, damn it jar jar all right well, folks, no, but, well, what I was wondering, though, is that as far as the writing in the game goes, um, do you guys have sort of a like a world Bible? And like if people wanted to contribute fiction into this, you know, do, do you have like a, an avenue for people to like contribute fanfic bullshit and then see if it makes it into the game? Do you want that or or what? Or are you keeping like the story a mystery so nobody knows what's going to happen? So we, I just posted in the chat. Just posted. We have some. A lot of people writing fan fiction. We have had a couple of authors write under our company name, so you can check out the fan fiction or the actual real fiction. 
Um, a couple of short stories have been published. Uh, we have a Bible and we have a really for Star Trek Frontiers. One of our goals is to really to move the universe forward in a big way. So the story here is going to be very much about the evolution and the changes to this society that you, that it starts out at and right at the beginning of the society, there's been some changes, but it's a lot like Star Trek's RPG, the original. And so uh, we're, we're kind of keeping it close to our chest right now and a bit secret um, because there are going to be a lot of big changes coming in oh, cool. that you'll be able to play through and get sucked into throughout the, the game. So, so your next game, if you want to know how you can easily make $20,000, right? Um, there, there's this little game and it was called Emperor of the Fading Suns. Mm. <laughs> mm. And, you know, yes. now that you have this universe, I believe it kind of smells a little bit like Emperor of the Fading it Suns. It does. If we somehow had ground maps that were kind of like, yeah, yeah. You feel me here? Uh, I, I think I think I'm guessing you. the future. I'm having a vision. Yeah, and that's another great role playing system. If you guys, since you guys like role playing games, the Fading Sun role playing system is yeah. When fantastic. when you guys kind of like aggressively <laughs> nodded when I said Emperor of the Fading Suns, I already started writing the check for twenty thousand. Yep, yep, yeah. I'm with all the money in the world. Right, kickstart that shit. Kickstart that. You'll get way more than a measly twenty. <laughs> you might be talking Star Citizen money. If you talk about yeah, because all you all you got to do is just say the spiritual successor to Emperor the Fading Frickin' Sons, and oh God. Money will just people would lose their shit. People, yeah, still they won't it. even care about the parrot at that point. No, nope. God, that's such a good game. Man. Oh, it's such a good game. Yeah. Oh my God, it's and when you good. look at it, it's insane. Like that's nineteen ninety six. Yeah, like, not- how did you do that with a with two megabytes? Oh my and God, how has nobody done it since. Oh that's God. The problem. Because they tried. It they didn't. Tried. It didn't really sell well, though. I mean, remember the advertising for it? It was terrible. It was so awful. The, the Templar Battle Force stuff happens in the same universe, right? Yep. Yeah. Can you imagine mech invasions happening with dropships and shit mm. in Emperor of the Fading Suns? Oh. oh God, I have to go touch myself. <laughs> All right. On that note, folks, we will call it a night. Thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Thanks. all. Thank you.